You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Really, really encouraged and excited by this series. Um, we kicked it off last Sunday, uh, and and John wrote this book in, in. But he also in this section he talks about John the Baptist. So for the sake of confusion, the Bible's a lot like this church. There are a lot of Johns. And so that's a very in-joke, but if you don't know, we have a lot of Johns. It's weird, uncanny how many Johns we have. So in my last church, it was Steve, and, um, and now it's John. So it just, just happens. But anyway, I'll just call him the author, but the author is John, because he's going to talk John the Baptist. So I refer to him in the author. But he gave us this profound thesis in the opening pages of John. If you weren't here, it's online. You can have a look. But it talks about Jesus being there at the beginning And it raised three questions for this whole series. They're going to come up on the screen now. Is Jesus a preference or king? And this wasn't a call and response type question. These are three questions we asked everyone to write down and we're going to ask right through this series deeply. Is he preference or is he king? Is Jesus someone you resonate with or the truth and way? so easy to go, Jesus seems like a good guy. I really resonate with him. <laughs> That's not obedience. That's very different. I resonate with a ton of people. It doesn't mean I'll do it. I see some people getting super ripped and fit on my TikTok. I resonate that I'd love to be that. It doesn't get me up at 4.30 in the morning for a run. There's a difference between, I'm trying, but there's a difference between resonating and obedience. And then is Jesus a good guy or is he your saviour? Now, you don't have to say yes to that. In fact, no, I won't say this, but it's, it's healthy to go, I don't know, because you've got somewhere to go. Or it's healthy to say, hey, I believe he is, but I haven't been treating him as such. Both those answers are acceptable because that's why we're exploring the book of John today, oh, today and ongoing. We're going to ask these three questions. I'm not going to force you if you're not sure. But I'd love to unpack because that's what John wants to say to you. The author wants to say to you through this book. He wants to tell you that he is king. He wants to tell you that he is the truth and way and that he is not just a good guy. He's the saviour. Because anything other than that is a waste of time. Like if he's not those things, there's probably a few other things we could do Sunday morning (laughs) in life. If he's not those things, if he's not worthy of gathering around. It's a waste of time. In fact, they have a name for that waste of time in the Bible. It's called just religion. When you just do things out of tradition and ritual rather than believing in the relationship of Jesus. It's not transformative. It's just time-filling, busy work. And so you want to know that this is true before you commit or continue to commit. So he doubles down. He goes slowly through this book, but this next passage today, he doesn't slow down at all. He doubles down on this thesis. And so we're going to get a bit challenging. I thought it was very confronting to me this morning as I read through this afresh this week and prepared. So I'm going to pray now. And then I ask that if God wants to challenge us this morning, we let him. Um, Because I actually felt really challenged by this as I unpacked John the Baptist this week. And I feel like there might be a few today that might be challenged and that's a good thing growing and forming and challenging and let me pray father god i just pray that we have ears to listen for this just small moment this morning in between 
getting here and the sausage sizzle. I just pray this morning, I thank you for what you've already done, what you've already said to us through the worship, through communion. And I just pray that we'd receive challenge, no matter how young or old we are, no matter how many degrees after a name, no matter how much of a status we have, that we would be open to learning from you this morning and considering that we're not perfect and maybe that we have let it slide, the kingship in our life. Let your spirit prompt us. Let us know that we're loved and you want the best for us, but you can challenge us this morning, Lord. We have a posture ready to hear. In your name, amen. Let's read John 1, 19 to 23. We'll keep going through this book. Now, this was John's testimony. Now, John the Baptist, we've switched John's. John the Baptist's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you then? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees had been sent questioning him, why then do you baptise people if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor a prophet? I will baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one, uh, one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptising. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. It's moving fast, this story, and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me, who has surpassed me because he was before me. If you're not sure what that line, those couple of lines mean, we unpacked that last week. Powerful stuff. Jesus is not just the answer now. He's baked into the whole thing. He's always been the answer. He was the word at the beginning. He has always been king. We unpacked that more last week if you want to have a listen. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I'm baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave a testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. He's referring to when he baptised Jesus. And Jesus said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. I saw the Spirit come down heaven as a dove and remain on him and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. They said they went and saw where he was staying they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew Simons, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. 
the thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. Enter John the Baptist into the story. We know from other Gospels, he comes from the wilderness. He's dressed in camel fur and he's eating locusts and honey. What a wild man. It's so cool. It's so cool. While not confirmed in the Bible, it is believed he's part of a group called Essence or Esus. I'm saying that wrong, but they're kind of a rebellious order of the time. You see, you had the Pharisees. We know their story. They've got their rituals. They've got their religion. And there was a group of desert dwellers that said, we don't want that. There's a, there's a deeper way to live. It's not show. It's not performance. And so they go into the desert like an order. And they were known to live in the desert around that time. And it is one or a common theory that John was part of their group and he was representing them. They're tied a little bit to Samson with the long hair, but there's, there's loose links there. While not confirmed in the Bible, it's confirmed that he definitely was wearing camel hair, eating locusts, and he'd been doing this a while. And one of the things that this group were known for doing is baptising, or a lot to do with water, and they're also known for their meals. So how cool is this? This is a group in the desert that's essentially sharing a meal together and baptising. Um, and then Jesus, we know, comes and he's all about meals together <laughs> and baptising. And so John could have been from that order, comes out of the desert, but he is just, he makes such an impact. Even though he's short in the Bible, like he's not talked about a lot, he must have made an impact because John is starting his book about him about 80, 90 years later. And so he must have just been captured the imagination of the people like no other. I think Graham was telling me last week that there's still people. Is this, was it you, Graham? And is this correct? There's still people in the Middle East that follow John the Baptist as their Messiah. Yes, that's right. I didn't dream or imagine that. So um, I don't dream a lot of you, Graham, but I was just checking. So I didn't dream that. So there was, a, there was a group of people still today. Has he captured the imagination? And no wonder. What a wild man. What a hero. He was the hero of the time. It's understandable. Just guy coming around, just coming here. As we talked about last week, we all, we're desired, we're designed to worship. We love a good person to look up to. We love a leader. We love a prophet type. It reminds me, and, and, and I talked about last week, we get disappointed though, because often they don't live up to what we want them to live up to, or they're, they're human. I never forget the time we'd heard um, this was years and years ago. I was a young guy and I heard, I was an old enough to drive, so it must have been post-17, but there was news around the church circle that a prophet had arrived and he had a word for a certain church. And I was excited, I'm, I'm going to that. And I went, and again, I'm not trying to judge anything, but I found out he'd been booked a year in advance. And so I hadn't just rocked out of the wilderness and he was just decked out in gold and wearing all white. Um, and I don't know, you can, I'm not, whatever. But it just was like, ah, oh, what I wanted is a John from the wilderness that came in rags and is eating grasshoppers and honey and just goes, today I'll preach in this church. I was so excited and I remember feeling let down. But here we have the legit thing. So no wonder they're excited. He just comes out and he starts baptising and changing people. Can you imagine social media in those days would go wild? 
around this guy. But as discussed last week, we don't trust our leaders anymore, this culture, understandably, because a lot has let us down. We don't trust the institution. We don't trust community. And so we talked a lot about this unpacking last week, but this leads to what I've called kind of the answer to those three questions which I want to explore today. So because of this lack of trust in people and institution and like my experience with a prophet, I believe I at least answer the question sometimes like this. And it's just the next slide, boys. We crown ourselves king. So we say that person's let me down, that institution's let me down, that idea's let me down. And so now we crown ourselves king. Our opinion becomes truth and way. And our lifestyle slash comfort slash... Yes, saves us slash distracts us. So we answer who's king? It's ourselves. Who's truth and way? It's my opinion. And our lifestyle and comfort saves us. We think it kind of saves us or at the very least distracts us so we don't have to think about the deeper questions. Let me give more detail into a bit of cultural analysis around this picture. So I believe... We make ourselves the Messiah. Get, go back and stay on that, boys. That's fine. Those three things. I don't know. You live on, a, especially on the Gold Coast, we've all walking around with a personal brand. Um, this may not res- resonate with you, but everyone in Gold Coast seems to be walking around now with not, they no longer, um, uh, I represent this community, they represent themselves and their own personal brand. I notice that relationships have changed in the fact we can't help sometimes but see people we think i'll meet that person and we can't think i hope this mutually benefits us both so we look for relationships networking because we're our own brand we're our own empire our own king we're like i'll meet that person as long as it benefits my brand it's this little voice that goes back i notice there's lots in the gold coast people reach out because it'll mutually benefit their vision for their life long other days where we reach out simply because we love them or we want to connect with someone, um, or we may not benefit from that relationship at all. But I don't know. Do you, do you, am I, do we experience this? We see people reaching out just because it, it may not even be purely selfish. We're just like, we both get something out of this, so let's network, let's get together, let's talk. We've become our own empires, our own kings, our walking, talking empires. The right friends. And so we kind of curate our life like a startup, like our own business, like we are king. It is all about the prestige schools, the workplaces you work at, the addresses you live at, what you wear, even what we wear to church, I reckon, sometimes. With your once a month attendance Sunday, we think about what we attend. The, the right friends, the easy friends, the easy people because it's mutually beneficial. The ones that suit our brand, is our brand on point? We the mutually benefit ourselves. Our holidays are now curated, curated. Our leisure activities curated. If something feels hard or uncomfortable or at worst sacrificial, then no, that makes me uncomfortable, we'll say to ourselves. If you're feeling uncomfortable right now and going, oh, is he preaching about me? No, 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 I'm preaching about what I felt as I read through this and thought about our generation. About, a, about leadership and about who we place as king. Anything hard 
or at worst sacrificial, then no, this makes me uncomfortable. No, thank you. We say, classic Christian, no, thank you. That's not my gifting. That's not really me. We justify it with choice verses. I love my favourite type of verses are verses that aren't verses anymore. We've just made a copy of a copy of a copy and now it's God wants to make me happy. Or we take the line, all things work together for my good, which is actually a Bible verse that annoys me because we take just that bit and we go, all these things, it's just got to mutually benefit me. Poor churches on the Gold Coast trying to respond to this because it's in Christian world as well. They have to become like a circus or a cinema with cinema times for your preference, like a shopping centre. When's my movie playing? <laughs> like a multi, I put a multifaceted circus for the wide range of preference, comfort and generations. It's crazy out there. And I really, in the Gold Coast especially, and I'm not talking because you're here today, and I'm not knocking you if you're not here too, just the irony of that, these big circuses are built that become churches, and then people go, yeah, it doesn't suit me today though. I've got something else on. <laughs> I'll go once a month to the circus that is provided with every need and every, every comfort met. Do people see this? Is people, not even, I'm not saying this is burly, just saying are people experiencing this level of I am king? We crown ourselves king. We're going to come back to John the Baptist in a second, I promise. I know it's a bit of a tangent, but it's just what I felt convicted as I read through this. And then you might be going, that's not my generation, I'm a bit older. Which in that case, we can't help but crown something king. In that time, it was the community, it was the institution. And so it's funny, this tension, because the younger generation will say, oh, I don't go to church every week because I don't want to be religious, which is 100% true. And then older generations will say, we go to church every week, but then it comes religious because they're committed to the tradition. The tradition is king. The culture's king. Very hard. It's either the community's king or we're king, but in nowhere in that conversation do we forget to make Jesus king. We can't not, not do that because that's what we've always done. That's making it king. Oh, I don't really feel like that. That's making ourselves king. The point here, we're amazing at putting everything else in our life as king. And we kind of forget. And this is, if you guys feel guilty about this, this has been happening for a long time. 101 Genesis is the devil whispering in Eden's ear. Are you really not allowed to eat that? Looks yummy. Did God really say that? Yes, queen. <laughs> he didn't say that, but you can imagine saying, yes, queen. You go, you're king of your life, you eat that. That's been happening a lot longer than here. So I'm not talking about anyone particularly. I just want to give us a bit of context to this wild hero that comes out that they want to make king, John the Baptist. And then this is what he says. So this is the response. This is what it looks like. John, the author, hits us with this incredible example of what it looks like to answer these questions in light of Jesus. It's really challenging. In John 1, 19, 23, he answers, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He says, I am not. Are you a prophet? That confuses me because everything John does seems like he's a prophet. I would at least said, if it was me, I'd like, oh, I'm kind of a prophet. If it was me, I'm being honest. I'd go, yeah, I'm not the Messiah. But you, you know I'm cousins with Jesus. 
I'd want a little bit of that, wouldn't you? You've just been eating grasshoppers for, your, sounds like, most of your life. Hey, I'll take a little bit of that benefit. Do you know what? Jesus is the Messiah. You're 100% right. He's awesome. But I'm actually his cousin. I baptised him. Do you know that? I baptised God. I mean, it's no big deal. He's the big deal, but were you there? Did you video it? Anyone got a video of it? I want to see that. I'll post it. Hey, what a, I'll post it. What an amazing day. Got to baptise God. Not about me, about him. Hashtag blessed. That's how I'd post it. Because I would be proud. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit proud of things you do, but he doesn't do any of that. He's not worried about his personal brand, although his brand lives on 2,000 years later. He's not worried about it. I'm not even a prophet, he says. Finally, they said, who are you? And he pretty much just says, I'm some unknown voice calling from the wilderness, pointing to Jesus. I'm nothing. I'm wind. I'm just a breeze. Later on, he says, I must decrease so that he increases. You can imagine people that are consulting him around his brand at that point going, you are ruining the platform. Can you just lighten that up a bit? Don't destroy that. So the first one that I can learn from John personally, and hopefully you resonate with this, is I'm not king, Jesus is. You may not be ready to accept that, that's totally fine. But be challenged by this man, be challenged by this influencer, be challenged by this person. I'm not king. The tradition's not king. The church isn't king. Christians aren't king. You're not king. Jesus is. That's the challenging aspect of John I see here. Let me keep reading. John 1, 24, 28, because he keeps going. (laughs) Now the Pharisees who've been sent question him because they're upset at this. They like him. He's kind of manageable. He's wild. It's easy. They're kind of, they can work with his brand. He's not coming up against them. He's baptising people. He's pointing people towards God at first and then Jesus. Why then do you baptise if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals are not worthy to untie. This all happens at Bethany on the other side of Jordan where John was baptising. While he was doing his work, while he was doing his created purpose, people came and say, hey, this is pretty awesome, the stuff you're doing, the things you're participating in. You're doing such a good job. You sure you're not at least a prophet? Or at least one of our Old Testament heroes. Yeah, yeah, okay, we get it. You've said you're not Yahweh in, in flesh. But are you at least Elijah? And they start listing. Are you at least kind of? Can we just, we need to put you on the scale. Where are you? Spoiler alert. He's 100% one of the great heroes. That's why John has to refer to him 80 or 90 years later. But that was not what he believed. That was not his approach. But he uses his work, what he's producing, to say, yeah, nah, this is what I was created to do, but you should meet the creator. Yeah, this is awesome. I get to, as Second Peter says, participate with the divine. It's divine work. It's awesome. He's doing something in me. Thank you for noticing. 
you should meet the person doing the work in me. You should meet the creator. The MVP, I've put. You should meet Jesus. And so the second hard truth that John proposes, both Johns propose in this book, is my opinion is not always truth. My preference is not always the way Jesus is. Again, you don't... If you're sitting here, you knew you'd been invited to church and you're not sure of this, that's okay, lean in. Take this on, journey with us through this gospel and at the end of it, keep asking these questions. But this is what the Bible says. You can't be out. You can't be half in. John, the author here, is proposing these exact things and he's doing it through showing us John the Baptist who is an extreme example of a disciple. My opinion is not always truth. My preference is not always the way Jesus is. This is what it looks like to say he is king. My third point. The next day John John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look at the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. He says, hey, all this good stuff that I've been talking about or doing, this guy is the Messiah. And he shares his testimony and points to him. We can participate with the divine I've written here. We're incredibly blessed here in the West with a foundation built upon biblical principles. We know this world is trying to chip away at the good things that come out of faith and God. The whole fan- some of the- All the good things that come out of Western civilization are a foundation based on biblical wisdom. And we are trying to crack at that away at the moment, which is scary, but that's not what this sermon is about. But it is so easy to say, hey, that pointing, hey, that's not our work. That was what God said. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. He's already been here. He's the word in the beginning. He's the truest truth. So we're not pointing at a new answer. We're pointing at the most ancient answer. None of these things save us, though, he says. He says he's the Lamb of God. He will baptise you with the Spirit. We can try and try and do good things, but there's only one person that saves us, is our true Saviour. And so my final point for us us to respond is my comfort and distraction won't ultimately suffice. Jesus saves. We're really good at being distracted feels like 14 different streaming services at the moment. We are so good at not thinking about these things, but they will not save you. I love Ted Lasso, the show. I wish they were making more seasons. I love to spend my time watching Ted Lasso with Mez. It's fun. It's distracting. It will not save me, though. It will not even come close to saving me. Even if it is the best TV show ever created, still won't come close to saving me. I am not king, Jesus is. Your opinion is not always truth. Your preference is not always the way, Jesus is. And my comfort and distraction won't ultimately suffice. Jesus saves. The author John finishes his thesis by showing us this living, breathing of example of if you were going to make a hero out of a guy, use him because he's awesome. And then just as a 
just because he wants to punch this, like just wants to push this point home before we even start getting into the story of John. John turns around and flips it all on its head. It's deliberate. That's not accidental. The author has designed the story. This is all true, but he's positioned it in a way to tell you this. You've met with this great big hero that ends up saying, it's not about me. This is what it looks like to live as a Christian. To say, I'm not King Jesus is. It's not about my opinion or preference or personal brand. It's not even about the tradition. All those things are meant to just point back to the one it is about, who is Jesus. And he's the only one that can save you today and eternally. So what do we do with this? We've got a couple of options this morning. One, you can say, I'm curious. I've been invited along to church. I'm not sure of this. That sounds interesting, in which case my encouragement to you is seek. Join us every week, if you can, or join us online and have a journey through the Gospel of John. Read it yourself and have a look and ask the question, dare to ask the question, is he king? Is he God? Come to Alpha. Explore it even further. And you know what? Come and chat to me at the end of it and let's sit down. As I said last week, if you've got something better, come let me know. I had to dig at people that might come and tell me crystals are better. Sorry if that was you, but you might want to tell me, hey, crystals are what saves me. That's cool. Come, come and show me. Come and tell me. My challenge to you is it's Jesus. And I challenge you to find something better that saves. Even Ted Lasso, the TV show. Come and find me. Tell me. Have an attempt. I'd love to have that conversation. So if you're seeking, come to Alpha. Come and explore in a non-judgmental way. And let's explore who Jesus is. The second person here will go, yeah, I feel something in here. It resonates with me, Steve. That sounds interesting. And you'll leave here today and then you'll go straight to being king of your life. You may love Jesus. He may have saved you. He may be, have done great things. He may still be doing good things. But ultimately, when it comes to what you choose to do, who you choose to be friends with, who you choose to talk to, what career you're going to make, what choices you're going to make, ultimately, you're in the driver's seat. You're king for everything, but my goodness, Sunday morning, 9 to 10.30, he is almost king. Other than that, I'm in the driver's seat, which is I'm not having to dig it yet. We all do this. This is what sin is. So if you're sitting there going, is he talking to me? Yes, but I'm also talking to everyone else, including myself. So I, and then option three is you go, do you know what? I choose, and me and Mez didn't plan what we're going to say this morning together, but you go, I choose to repent. I choose this morning to say, hey God, I've got a little bit distracted and that guy on YouTube has been my king that I've been listening to a little bit too much. He's making decisions for me. Or my influential friends or my neighbourhood or even a Christian. I've made them king and you should be up there. I just want to say I'm sorry, I'm going the wrong way. This is not going to end well. The stuff I've been building, empire, stuff, this is all rust and moth is going to destroy this one day. This won't save me. Can you choose the third option this morning? <laughs> Can I be that bold? If you're curious, choose that one. Don't just say this just resonates with me. The third option is dig in and go, hey, there's stuff in my life that I want to turn around. And here's why. Before I get you to respond to that, here's why. Because this is the last bit of John I just want to read here and I'll leave you with a chance to respond. After all of this, how beautiful is this picture? John 
his disciples literally left him and went and followed Jesus, that would hurt so much. If you guys all said we saw a guy out there and he's, man, you should have heard him Sunday morning, we're all leaving, can we follow him next Sunday? I, I would be a mess. <laughs> and so that's a hard. But John's like, yeah, of course, follow him, he's Jesus. So they all leave, but this is a beautiful picture just painted. It reminds me of the beginning of Lord of the Rings. Or it actually reminds me more of Back to the Future when Doc says to Marty, he goes, where are we going, Doc? And he goes, where are we going? We don't need no roads. Whew, chills. That's what it reminds me of. It's, obviously, you guys are big Back to the Future fans because I could see your eyes glaze over. <laughs> Let me read, though, what it says. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. There's a quick little bit of confusion because it's the beginning of a journey. Nazareth? Nazareth? Nothing good comes from there. Nathanael asked, Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. This is someone we can follow. They're not sure. They're like, yeah, but he was born in Nazareth. He was born in the back of Narang. Sorry, Narang. Yeah. What can you No, this, come and see. Let's do this. Let's push in. I think there's something significant about this guy. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, he truly, oh, sorry, there's no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asks. How's this? You might be sitting there going, this has nothing to do with me. Jesus answered, I saw you while while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This morning when you got ready for church, God saw you. He knows you. This is for you. I'm not inviting you to put Jesus King of your life because it's just a good idea. I'm inviting you because it's the greatest idea. Incredible things await when he's got the wheel, when he is the king. Incredible things await when you go, I want to do this, I really want to do this, I really want to do this, but I choose to give it all up to follow you. It's worth it. There's an adventure to be had at any age. So this morning, maybe you've just gone a bit off track. This morning, maybe you've put someone else king. If you're part of this generation, it's probably yourself because that's what everyone's doing. Especially when we don't know the financial climate, especially when things look pretty scary. We kind of, the radical individualism kicks in and we go, I've got to protect what I've got. Jesus says, let it go and follow me. Come, watch what we do. You think that was impressive? Watch what we do next. And we're going to explore what he does next over the next few months. Let me pray. What I ask this morning is if you are feeling that you need to repent of something, which means Mez said it beautifully, of course she did, turn around and go, hey, you're king, then there's two options for you. 
one, you can come down here and you get official pastor prayer, which is totally fine, but that kind of get, goes against the grain of what this verse is saying. There's nothing special about my prayers. I'd love to pray for you. So please don't feel afraid to do that. But the other option is to turn to the person beside you and you don't have to confess everything to them, but just say, hey, would you mind praying for me? And if you're feeling bold and brave, say, feel, praying about this. Might be, hey, do you know, I've made my work everything. Do you mind just praying about that? Or if you don't want to share that much, just say, work, say one word, work, pray for me, please. Family, pray for me, please. Young families, it's so, it's so dangerous to put our kids in the king's spot. We're called to love them, of course, but everything is around our, kings, our kids. I get into that mindset, everything. So maybe just lean the person beside you and say, kids, can you pray? Does it make sense? You can, of course, come down in this last song. I'd love to pray for you. Never, not that. But the person beside you, if they're carrying the Holy Spirit's prayer, is just as significant as mine. Let's pray. And John is just going to play for a little bit longer. We're just going to give us a chance to do that if we want to. If you don't, that's okay. But I'd love you to respond. Father God, I just... Our culture wants us to say that our culture is just extreme. It's so extreme that some of what I explained doesn't even feel wrong anymore. It just feels normal to look out for one's interest, to look things that only benefit us, to protect ourselves. It doesn't even feel weird in this current culture, Lord. Can you convict us? Can you just challenge us in a healthy way that says, hey, we've maybe got off the path? If there's something we've put above you, even if it's something we're scared of, even if it's something we're anxious of, even if it's a bad thing, but we just can't stop thinking about it. We're going to take that off the kingly. Is Jesus a preference or is he king? Is Jesus someone you resonate with or the truth and the way? And as I just realised a typo that I've been using for two weeks, is he a good guy or saviour? God guy works. But is he a God guy or a good guy or is he saviour? Um, ask those questions deeply over this season. And uh, thanks for joining us. We've got the sausages going to start cooking in a moment. Continue the conversation out there. Thanks so much. If you'd like prayer, come and have a chat to me.